0: Well, good morning to all of you here in the Worship Center. Good morning to you in the chapel, all of you at our Minnetonka campus, and anyone watching online. You know, isn't it an incredibly awesome thing to spring forward in a snowstorm? Like, does it get any better than that? Well, glad that you figured out the clock situation and you got here on time, or maybe you were actually aiming for the 9 o'clock service and you're here at t- However it happened, we are so glad that you are worshiping with us today. So we're in the middle of a series called Share. And what we're talking about in this series is that from the very beginning— God's preferred way of changing the world and changing people's lives is through blessing. That like God is someone who loves to bless people. But the reason that God chooses to bless us is so that we, in turn, can bless others. You see, our blessings from God are not meant to be stockpiled. They're not meant to be hoarded. Instead, they're meant to be shared. But you see, God's blessings are not just financial. He also blesses us relationally and emotionally and spiritually. And so in this series, we're focusing on some basic missional practices that we see very clearly in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And these are missional practices that every single one of us can also put to use in our lives Every one of these practices is something that every single person here can do. And so these missional practices very conveniently form the acronym BLESS. All right? So if you remember the word BLESS, each week we're talking about one of these letters. So a couple weeks ago, we kicked off the series with the B in the word BLESS, which stands for Begin with prayer, which really is great advice for every single part of life. But we need to begin with prayer as we seek to bless the world around us. At the beginning of each day, we can pray to God, God, how do you want me to bless the people you put in my path? Now sometimes maybe it's it's a prayer that's very generic just like we don't even know who these people are going to be but God we're just praying that you would equip us and empower us to be a blessing to the people around us. But also maybe there's some specific names. Maybe there's people in your family. Maybe there's people in your neighborhood or at your workplace or at your school who are far from God and, and you feel called day after day to lift them up in prayer. God, help me bless these people so that they can come to know you. Well, then last week, Pastor Dan talked about the L in the word bless, which stands for listen with care. You know, oftentimes we get really caught up with what we want to share, what we want to say to people, but we need to take the time to listen. And not only listen, we actually have to hear what's on other people's hearts. We need to prioritize listening to the people that God puts into our lives so that we can hear their story, so that we can hear what their needs are instead of just assuming that we know what they need Well, today, I want to share with you the E in the word bless, which stands for eat together. Yes, you heard that right. It is eat together. Now, I understand that it's a risk to talk about food on a Sunday morning in worship, because some of you now are thinking about the incredible meal that you had last night, or maybe more likely, some of you are thinking mentally through the menu of the restaurant you're going to after the service, and you're thinking about what you're going to have for brunch. So I'm going to ask you to try to set those thoughts aside, and for a few minutes, to focus in on what God has to say in his word about eating together. Because you may or may not know, Jesus chose eating to be one of his most important and effective ways to bless people and to change people's lives. Now, I think if we were to take a poll as a congregation and to, you know, take a poll and and make a list of what Jesus practiced in his daily life, we would probably say things like teaching, and we would say preaching, and healing, and performing miracles, and that he, of course, died on the cross for us, and those are all great answers, but I think it's also easy to forget that some of Jesus's most powerful encounters happened around the dinner table. Now, if we were to ask the very basic and important question, why did Jesus come to earth? Well, we get the answer in Jesus's own words. In the gospel of Luke chapter 19, he says, for the son of man, which is something he often called himself, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That, in a nutshell, is why Jesus came. That was his mission. He came to seek and to save lost people. That's the why. But if we were to ask the question then, well then, how did Jesus choose to come to the world? We might expect him to say, well, I came in power, or I came in glory, or I came in splendor. But this is how he answered that question in Luke chapter seven. He says, the son of man came eating and drinking, right? Jesus had a mission to save lost people. Every single one of us is separated from God by our sin. And Jesus came on a mission to seek us out and to save us. But in order to do this, one of the primary means that he chose was to eat and to drink with people, to spend time at the dinner table, and then in the process of relationship to change lives. Now, the Gospel of Luke is full of different stories about Jesus taking time to sit down and to eat with people. And I like to think of Luke, the writer of this gospel, as kind of the foodie of the disciples. You know, like maybe whispering to Jesus during the feeding of the 5,000, like, Jesus, could you have a, you know, maybe a nice smoked salmon and some rye bread at least? But if you read through the gospel of Luke, chapter after chapter, there's these stories of Jesus at a dinner table. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus sits down with tax collectors and sinners at the house of a man named Levi. And we'll dig into that in a moment. In Luke chapter seven, Jesus is anointed by a woman at the home of Simon the Pharisee as they're sharing a meal. In Luke chapter nine, we have the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus eats at the home of Mary and Martha. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus shares a parable about this incredible banquet, and he encourages all his hearers to make a priority of inviting the least of these instead of just inviting their friends and the privileged. In in Luke chapter 22, Jesus celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples. And now, 2,000 plus years later, we still share that meal together. But even when Jesus isn't eating, there are all sorts of different references to food in the Gospel of Luke. In fact, for much of the gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's coming from a meal. And so I think it's quite obvious that Jesus saw the dinner table. He saw eating and drinking as a vital missional practice. But it's not the food and drink itself that are the most important. No, it's it's what he did, it's what he said at the meal. Look at Luke 7:34 again in the second half of it. So he starts out the son of man came eating and drinking and you say here is a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. As people watched The trajectory of Jesus' ministry, as they saw his priorities, as they saw him sitting down at the dinner table, their conclusion was, look at this kind of guy. Now, what would cause them to come to this conclusion to be so insulting and judgmental? Well, it's because while Jesus was eating with others, he showed radical grace to a radical guest list. See, as people watched his life, as they watched his priorities, they saw that Jesus showed radical grace to a radical guestless. You see, his meals became a live action example of his amazing grace towards sinners and outcasts and the least likely. Meals for Jesus represented something greater, they were a beautiful portrait. Of his grace and his love. Now, in ancient Israel, the dinner table was a deeply spiritual and relational place. It's where faith and spirituality were handed down to children. There was teaching that took place often in regard to their faith. It was also a place where fellowship was built and it was sustained. Meals were never quick like they often are for us today. They would never have a meal on the go like we often do. No, it was a long, intentional time spent together. But not only that, eating with someone established a covenant relationship of friendship. And it also symbolized and signified approval and acceptance. So you would never want to enter into something as important and as serious as a covenant friendship with a sketchy person, with someone who didn't have a good reputation. It just would never happen. There's actually a story that was handed down century after century about two warriors who were at each other in hand-to-hand combat. They were fighting to the death, and somehow in the process of the fight, they discovered that their fathers had shared a meal together. And when they discovered this, they immediately stopped fighting. It was that symbolic and important to share a meal together. Now, the issue of eating with sinners was especially sensitive within Judaism. Because many of them believed that eating with such people conveyed an acceptance of that person's sin. It was like you were endorsing their sin. But you know, if you think about it, we have some of the same attitudes still today. We wonder, you know, what would people think if I invited that person or those people over to my house People are going to think that I approve of their behavior or their politics or their beliefs if I sit down with them. You know, way too often, we live in a bubble that's carefully curated with people that we're comfortable with. But while people of Jesus' time thought eating with questionable folks would convey an acceptance of sin, Jesus turned that attitude and that belief upside down. You see, Jesus pursued relationships first, and then it was through the course of building a relationship that he pointed them back to God. He didn't expect them to follow the rules first. No, the relationship is what came first. Jesus was never concerned about guilt by association which is really, really, really good news for us, if we're honest about our condition. Jesus was never concerned about guilt by association. So again, through sharing meals, it played a vital role vital role in Jesus's mission and ministry. And he wants us to do the same as we seek to follow him. He wants us to open ourselves up to demonstrating radical grace to the people around us. He wants us to open our homes and to open our hearts to the lost and the hurting and the outcast and the forgotten. You see, he wants us too to show radical grace to a radical guest list. You know, and what we see again and again in Jesus' ministry is that grace has the power to turn people's worlds upside down. Grace lifts up people who are hopeless and left out and outcast. But on the other hand, grace also affects the religious and the righteous making them come face-to-face with the true condition of their lives. And it brings them down to reality. Grace has the ability to transform every life. Now, we see this all happen very clearly in a particular meal that Jesus shares in Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 27. So if you have your Bible with you, I would invite you, encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 27. And this is what it says. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors... to repentance. So Jesus is walking along and he encounters a man named Levi, who we also know today as Matthew. He's sitting in his office, which is like a little tax booth or cubicle along the road. And Jesus walks right up to Levi and says, follow me. Pretty direct. And lo and behold, Levi does just that. He agrees to follow Jesus on the spot. Now, as we've talked about before, many times tax collectors were seen as the biggest crooks and the biggest traitors around. You know how people like to tell jokes about lawyers today? All of the jokes at this time in history were about tax collectors. They were employed by the Roman Empire and the deal was they would collect Rome's taxes and they could put any fee any additional fee on top of the tax and keep it for themselves. So you can imagine everybody despised the tax collectors. But we see in this moment that Jesus had no problem at all calling one of the most despised and hated people around to become his disciple. And after Levi said yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him, to become his disciple, notice what happened next. Jesus didn't give him a study Bible and tell him to memorize it. Jesus didn't say, go listen to all of these podcasts and then you can follow me. He didn't say, go sign up for Disciple 101 and then we'll talk about it. No, what happened immediately after his invitation? They shared a meal together. And not only that, the meal was hosted in Levi's home. But... On top of that, look who else was there. Even more tax collectors and a whole group that the Pharisees just simply call sinners. Now that doesn't mean that some people there were sinners and some weren't. No, we know every one of us is a sinner. But the term sinner in Jesus's day was a catch-all phrase. For anyone who was not practicing, or was a non-religious person, or was involved in a scandalous type of behavior. So again, here's Jesus sitting down at a table with the most despised and hated and looked down upon people. And this is what outraged the religious leaders. Remember, who you ate with was a statement about who you loved, who you cared for, and who you believed was worthy And so Jesus was communicating this by just sitting down with this crowd of people. And the Pharisees, again, are outraged. They're whispering to each other. And mid-bite of taco, Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, Jesus, in this statement, is not saying that the Pharisees are healthy, No, what he's saying is that every single person on earth is on equal ground. Every single one of us is in desperate need of a doctor, of a savior. He came to seek and to save sinners like you and like me, like the Pharisees and the tax collectors. All of us are on equal footing. Every one of us has a problem and we need a savior to bring us forgiveness and redemption and hope. So all of us who choose to follow Jesus are called to live out the mission that Jesus has given us to bless the entire world. And a vitally important part of that mission is building relationships with the people we live near, the people we work with, the people we go to class with. Relationships that go far beyond small talk and shallow interaction. And instead, where we sit down and we build deep, enduring relationships with the people God puts in our path. I love this quote that comes from a book called Right Here, Right Now by Alan Hirsch and Lance Ford. They say this, sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Showing hospitality to others is a powerful way to advance the kingdom of God. It's not an understatement to say we can eat our way towards making heaven a more crowded place. You know, imagine if everyone at Calvary, at all of our campuses, started regularly eating with our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends who don't know Jesus. You see, if we're going to truly bless the world, we need to eat with the world. Eating together with other people is absolutely essential to blessing the world. Now, I know what you might be thinking right now. You know, it sounds well and good. I can see it in these stories about Jesus, but it's just not that easy. I mean, I'd love to host epic dinner parties multiple nights a week, but it's just not In the cards. Probably one of the biggest objections for many of us is, I just don't have time. I mean, many of us can barely find the time to have regular meals with our immediate family, right? We're running kids from school to lessons to practices, and it often means we're eating on the go or we're even eating in the car. Finding time to eat with other people, it can almost seem impossible. But what if this call from Jesus to live missionally, blessing others, would be the wake-up call that we need to reevaluate our schedules and our priorities? Because if we don't, we're going to miss out on the ways that God wants to bless people through us. You know, living this out doesn't mean cramming another obligation into our already busy schedule. Instead, maybe it means that we need to have a new rhythm for our life. Maybe it means God wants to lead us into a new way of living where we actually slow down and we savor the time we have with others around the dinner table. Well, another objection might be, well, I don't even know what I would say to someone I don't know well. I mean, I can't handle awkward silences. Let me tell you, I completely understand. We're all wired up differently. My wife would love to have more dinner parties. And between you and me, my question is exactly how long are they going to be here? All right, like, can you guarantee what time this is going to end? So, we all have different personalities and wirings and different comfortableness around social interactions. But I think the challenge for me and maybe for you is that we need to let God call the shots. We need to let Him do the equipping that He promises to do. He's called us to bless the world. And if we believe that, He will make it possible. He'll give us the ability to do that. Now, there are tons of other objections, I'm sure. Maybe you're thinking, but I don't like having people in my house. Well, then don't go out to eat somewhere. Maybe you're thinking, but, you know, then I have to clean up my house and it's so messy. Well, people are way less critical than we often think. Maybe you're thinking, but I can't cook. Well, then get takeout or DoorDash. There's a solution to almost every objection. Again, there's tons of reasons we can come up with, but I believe that it's totally worth pushing through our excuses and getting outside of our comfort zones so that we can discover our mission that God has given us to bless the world and the people around us. Now, church, please don't forget what's at stake here. Blessing the world and accomplishing God's mission. For some of you, if you take on this challenge... If you take on this missional practice of eating with others, you'll discover that hospitality is a spiritual gift you never knew you had. And you will impact more people around a dinner table than you ever imagined. You'll find that you can help people eat their way into the kingdom of God. But church, here's the very most important question you can keep in mind today if you knew that the only thing standing between a coworker or a neighbor or a friend of yours and eternal life was eating with them, would you do it? What if the only thing standing before, between them and a saving relationship with Jesus was you having them over for dinner? If that was true, would you do it? I believe you would. You just need to take the time Pick the menu and remember how Jesus showed us how to bless. Begin with prayer, listen with care, and eat together. And then let God do the hard work of transforming lives and changing hearts. But also remember you don't have to do this alone. We encourage everyone here at Calvary to get connected in a small group. We believe we're better together, that we need to do life with others. So what if your small group took one day a month to host a barbecue? Well, you might want to wait a few weeks. Have a dinner party. And you would invite people outside of your group who don't know Jesus. And what if there was no agenda? There was no Bible study. There was no lesson. It was just hanging out, getting to know each other, and building relationships. I mean, this could be someone's first taste of a small group, of church, or even of God. And if you're not already in a small group, why don't you take the opportunity today to get connected? Because you'll find every one of these missional practices is way more effective and way more fun when you do them together. Now, I know how it is. It's easy to hear a message like this one, maybe nod your head in agreement, and then do absolutely nothing about it. It's easy to begin another busy week tomorrow and completely forget what you heard Sunday morning you know then we're missing out on the great adventure that God wants for us an adventure of simply blessing the people he puts in front of us every day church if just half of us here at calvary would start doing these missional practices regularly our workplaces our neighborhoods our schools would be transformed People will find their way back to God. People will experience forgiveness and restoration and new life through Christ. You know, simply sharing a meal communicates a lot. It shows people are worth time, investment, and energy. It shows a depth of love and care. Who in your life in your sphere of influence needs those things? Who's someone who feels left out, who feels hopeless, who's not connected to the hope we have in Jesus? You see, our tendency is to curate the guest list. We have our close friends, we have the people we love to be around, but what if we were more like Jesus? What if we were willing to show radical grace to a radical guest list. Let's take Jesus's example and God's word seriously today. Let's let it inspire us and ignite us. Let's let's go bless people like Jesus did by inviting them to join us at the table. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your goodness and your grace and your willingness to seek after us so that we could be saved and our lives could be changed. God, help us to not just sit back, but instead to join you on mission. God, help us to put these missional practices that we see in the life of Jesus into practice in our lives. God, you know all the excuses we like to come up with, all the reasons that we don't have time or we don't feel equipped. God, break through our excuses and give us the strength and the courage and the boldness to follow your example. God, give us eyes to see the people you have put right in front of us that we can bless and then we can just trust that you'll do all the hard work, that you'll change hearts and minds. And so God, we're just amazed at how you use everyday things like eating with people to change lives and draw people to yourself. So help us to willingly be a part of your mission. Help us to be a church that takes your great commission seriously. Because God, ultimately, we wanna see heaven more crowded, so use us. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, and let's all say together, amen.